Hi, my name is Drew, and I'm here to offer you nothing of value. Hi, you're listening to Nothing of Value, a podcast where our host, Drew, brings friends on to talk about nothing of value. Take it away, Drew. This is the Nothing of Value podcast. I'm your host, Drew. And today I'm joined by someone that by my best recollection, I have not talked to or heard the sound of their voice in about 10 plus years. Um, today I have my, my good friend Kenton with us. How are you doing, Kenton? I'm doing great. How are you, Drew? Good to hear you. Um, doing all right. We um, got together here for a little podcast. And like I said, we've not talked to each other here in probably like, like face-to-face, you know, or through Zoom. And it's probably been about 10 years. Um, but uh, I'm excited here because, you know, we, we kind of grew up together. Not like we were best friends or anything like that. But we, uh, we spent some time together in the same 4-H club. And as, as we got older, we, uh, we played football together. Um, now you were two years behind me, right? That's right. Okay. That's what I thought. So, um, you know, we've known each other. Then, then we go off to college and kind of lose track of each other for a little bit. And, uh, then we end up at the same college and we end up working at a couple of the same places. You were actually our backup delivery driver on my paper route that, uh, that I had that I'm sure you'll hear stories of at some point. Um, <clears throat> and then we worked together at a pizza place for, I don't even know. It wasn't, wasn't even quite a full year, a few months, but, uh, they were, were very memorable times. Um, but, uh, it, it, the biggest reason I wanted to have you on, on the podcast here is one, we haven't talked in, gosh, I don't know how long, you know, um, a few text messages here and there, and we touch base and, uh, you know, talk about football or, or whatever else we need to from time to time. And, um, but I always think of this in life, like there's, there's people I always wish I could spend more time around or that I would have been able to spend more time around. And you're always at the top of that list. Um, anytime we've hung out together, we've done something, we always have fun, you know, and, and I always think we get along very well. But we just our, our paths don't cross as much as I've wanted them to, you know, um, so we're going to cross paths here for, you know, a couple conversations and uh, see where we go. So right why don't you tell uh, the listening audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if the audience is familiar with you, they'll know a good chunk of my background as well. Yeah. Grew up in Pinckneyville, went to uh, <laughs> college in Southern Illinois for a little while. Until I <clears throat> moved to Indiana to finish up school. Um, eventually made it, uh, to law school in Ohio. Um, that whole process of my education took about a decade to wrap up, um, a little extra time. So some years, uh, that I think are, were well spent, but not productive, um, uh, ended up graduating from law school and got a job in Columbus, Ohio, and have been there practicing law for the last five years or so in Columbus. Okay. So yeah, it, it took a while, but you got where you wanted to be. Yep. And uh, gosh, it's been five years already. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this month is the five-year anniversary of 
my graduating from law school. I, I wasn't licensed until November, but yeah. So mm -hmm. five years out of law school. Okay. How, how are you, you liking uh, the law life? It's challenging and it I continues bet. to get more challenging all the time. So like I was kind of hopeful, right? There's a scenario that plays out over and over again in your life where like you go to grade school and then you go to middle school and you're the new group in the middle school and it mm -hmm. sucks because you don't know anything and everyone else does who's a year ahead of you and then that happens in high school and it happened in college and then it happened again to me in law school and then <laughs> I got to my law firm and I was like this is it after one or two years of being a, a newbie lawyer I'm done I will I'm settled into the thing I'm going to be good at <laughs> but it's like every year the responsibilities of the job change. So like yeah, the yeah. first year, the first couple of years, you're just taking orders. You're just reviewing documents and you don't like have to do anything or make any decisions. You're just like a research monkey. <laughs> and so now I'm coming out, out of that. I got I was the best research monkey. I got, I was the senior research monkey. <laughs> And, but now I'm coming back around to entering the like making decisions and, and deciding what's going to happen with cases on my own. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not good at that yet. That's, that's an, that's you're, you're at the bottom of the totem pole again. Yeah, I'm back at the bottom of the totem pole. And I thought I was definitely done with that. Maybe this will be the time that I'm done with that. I, I would imagine if it's like any other profession I've, I've encountered in my adult life, just when you think you get it figured out, something else happens, or like you said, something changes. And I, I would say, especially with the last two years we've had, pandemic and everything else going on, I, I don't know if you if you could ever get your footing right or get to a comfortable spot, you know? Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it's definitely a little bit uh, about you. And I, I always think it's crazy just to think that, hey, I know a lawyer or somebody I went to to high school became a lawyer because you know what maybe there's a few other people we went to high school with that did but um of the core group of people i normally hung around i, there, I don't think there's any lawyers anywhere i think uh, there's 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 one a few years ahead of me and uh, a few years behind me so i know okay. two other people who went to law that's school. what i'm trying to think is there maybe one that was a year older than me matt bigham that's exactly what i was thinking of yeah 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 yep yep and then some some people who were younger than me whose name i can't think of right now Okay. Yeah. I know how that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that's a little bit about our guest and you know, the drill here, we've each picked up a list of three topics and we're just going to throw them out there. Neither of us knows what's on the other person's list. And Kenton, I don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to any bits of any of the shows that have been released so far, but I did. Um, I didn't catch any list of three topics though. I listened to a big chunk of, of the last episode and I was waiting for the, here's how the three topics thing works. And I, I didn't make it to the end. No, it, uh, we just, we slowly kind of just go through it as we go. We don't That's introduce them at once. And, um, you know, the shortest show has been an hour and I think the last one was just short of two hours or maybe right at two hours. So, um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, was it, couple episodes ago we ended up having a hot dog eating contest in the middle of it so you never okay. know you i never don't have know. any hot dogs in my apartment so unless <laughs> you have surreptitiously like planted them on my doorstep well 
I don't know that that's on the agenda. <laughs> we we do have uh, all kinds of services now that can do different things. So, um, but we've already done the hot dog eating contest, so we're good there. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead off here. My first topic for you. What are some of the worst inventions ever made? Like if you just sit there and think about it and you don't have to answer right away. I've got a little list here. I'll go through and you can comment as you'd like. Um, but start thinking, what are like some of the, just the worst things you see on a daily basis or things you know that were absolutely terrible? My first item for submission here is single ply toilet paper. Okay. Yeah. It has no purpose. Yeah. Is that almost, here's, here's my question with single ply toilet paper is a bad invention. I bet when the alternate, because you live in a world where two ply toilet paper <laughs> is the alternative that you're thinking of. Yes. But I'm betting that there was a world where it was pine cone or single ply toilet paper. And in that world, single ply toilet paper, potentially one of the greatest inventions. That's true. That's, that's a good way to look at it. Um, however, you know, it's 2022. We live in a world where double or, or two ply exists. We, we could just make single ply extinct, you know, get it, get it out. Um, I, I mean, honestly, we're to a point where we probably need to adopt the bidet. Uh, that was on like the very first episode of the show or second, we had a, a very in-depth discussion about bidets. Um, I don't want to rehash things, but during the great toilet paper shortage, I bought I bought one and installed it, and they're great. I also studied abroad in Japan. The days every toilet in Japan, really, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, I don't know why it's not standard operating procedure here. Quite frankly, um, big toilet paper man, you just it's it's taking us down. Um, it, so so how long? Uh, I mean, we're going to rehash the discussion here because I think it applies. How? How long have you been a bidet user? This is a very pro bidet Not, podcast. Now. So I don't anymore because I moved. So it was okay. very much a like panic purchase during the like, there's no toilet paper anywhere. Sure. And so that was like a thing that I had at my old apartment for about a year and a half. And it it's just better. It's just better in yeah. every conceivable way. Uh, more hygienic. Um, and so I would like, I would like to get another new one, a nicer one than the one I had before. Yeah. So I, I really do just think there's no reason. I feel like everyone, no one does it. And it's like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't like that unless they're like, kind of, maybe they like it too much. And that's why they say they don't like it. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. That's fair. Um, I know after that, that podcast, I spoke to my wife about it and she was very anti bidet. Um, doesn't that sound like a foreign guy who's coming over to play in the NBA? Anti bidet. Anti bidet. Another yeah. story. <laughs> But uh, um, that's still still on my to-do list. But yeah, single-ply toilet paper, absolutely useless. Anywhere that has it um, should be heavily fined. Um, but you're right. There was a point in time where maybe it was a good invention. Um, I, I have a suggestion as just a thing that I have. It's, it's just a thing that I have seen being discussed on social media lately. It, it kind of okay. comes and goes. And it is a very specific thing to video games and that is the microtransaction is something that i absolutely think is a all-time worst invention it makes yeah. otherwise good things unusable and and bad yeah where it used to be hey give us your 50 dollars, and we'll give you the entire video game 
And now yes. it's either we'll give it to you for free or $30 or whatever. And then we'll just slowly kill you with $1 to $5 purchases yes. for the next however long this game exists. Right. They're going to just drag it out for as long as they can. Um, and, and you know what? So many of those types of games have become predatory, especially on kids. Like I always, you said that and I immediately thought of Fortnite. Yeah. And how like all the kids are wanting the new skin and the, the cool looking thing. And so they just spend more and more or try to spend more. And it's like, it's not anything that's even worth anything, you know? Yeah. But so it, we saw it's a cool thing to have. Watched a very long video on YouTube, which is where I get most of my media content these days on <laughs> the way that Fortnite is designed to intentionally be frustrating and boring unless you're spending money. So like the, really? the, the free options that you are given, you have no control over what your character looks like. You have no personality. There's nothing you can do until you spend money on the game. And yeah. the other thing that it is set up to do is the, the, the term the guy used is manufactured discontent. So there's like a rewards track every month. Yep. And if you pay, you're just rewards are just thrown at you left or right. Yes. But if you don't pay, you are still on a rewards track and can see all the things that you are not. They put it right get. out in front of you. Yep. <laughs> this is yep. what you would be getting. Yes. Yes. So it feels like extremely frustrating to play the game and not be engaging in the microtransactions. You're not even really getting to play the whole game. Yeah. And, and I know that's a case where I, I people I play games with will be like, well, I downloaded it for free. So what's what is it to give them five or ten bucks here and there? But if everybody thinks that way, and and to to be fair, I in some ways agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think that if it is done in a not predatory way, where yeah. there, and I think that part of it is is there like a cap on it? Is it designed in a way to where it is fair to the user? Where like yeah. at a certain point, you can play this game for free, or you can kick in three dollars every once in a while and get new things. Um, but at a certain point you will have acquired all of them. Yeah. I think that that is like not that predatory, right? You're just right. giving people more flexibility in how much they want to spend on a game. Mm -hmm. um, but the reward track thing is like the perfect example of something that is extremely predatory because you pay for your monthly season subscription or whatever. And if you don't play the game enough, you just lose all the things that you paid for. Yeah. So some games though, like the new, the new halo game, it doesn't operate that way, right? You pay for a subscription and you will never to the rewards track. And if you stop playing and you come back, you just pick up on the rewards track where you were, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't lose that content. So like, that's fair. That's a more fair way to do that. Um, yeah. But there are worse and worse versions of that. A new game just came out that is extremely, People are losing their minds over how predatory it is. Yeah. Um, it's the new Diablo game from Blizzard. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that yet. So <clears throat> what the thing people are most upset about is in order to actually like reach the maximum level in the game, the only possible way to do it is either to play the game for like 40 years <laughs> or spend upwards of $100,000. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And so people are like, this is, this is too much. <laughs> this is too much. 
and and the 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 pay to win which is like an mm-hmm. offshoot of the microtransaction thing is if you pay the hundred thousand dollars you will win at the game like it is not yeah. just a matter of like your character looks cooler than all the other characters you are actually better equipped to compete against other players yeah if you put more money in yeah that's uh it's definitely I, I would agree a, a, a negative thing that we've seen from a lot of it. And I mean, it's, it's in every video game now. It's like, they're just trying to shove. Not, not every video in. game. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing is some video games come out that are like aggressively anti microtransaction. So like Elden yeah. ring is like the yeah. thing that came out recently. You get the whole game, you pay your $60. That's it. You get it. There might be an expansion that comes out, you know, yeah. nine months from now that's $20 or whatever for some limited new content, but there is no microtransactions in the game whatsoever. And that's an interesting thought. You know, you said expansion, like back 20 years ago, you know, when we were in high school and junior high expansion packs were all the rage, especially on computer games. And that was kind of like the predecessor that led up to this, you know, where they're, instead of making a whole new game, let's try to milk this a little more. The first game that comes to mind is The Sims. I don't know if you ever played The Sims or got yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 freaking expansion packs for everything. And they're the littlest things too. Yeah, that that became a thing later. I think that earlier it made more sense because their release cycle was like super long, right? Like yeah. between Sims 3 and Sims 4 was like a long time. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to make more content. But you're right. They did, oh, you can have pets for $5.99 or you can by the the dating add-on for $20. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that is like the the introduction to the uh the add-on content. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um so the next one I had here on my list, and I had a few here, but the other one I want to touch on is something that's changed too since we were younger, is youth travel sports teams. Sure. Where all these kids are playing nearly year round. They're specializing in sports. They're paying thousands of dollars to play on specific teams. And then they spend every weekend at a tournament going to this and going to that. Like as a parent, the idea of that drives me absolutely insane as a coach, somebody who's coached and and you will continue to coach that idea drives me absolutely insane. Like, Kids should be kids. You know, I I hate to sound like a boomer, but here we go. Kids should be kids. And I get it. I get it. Sports are different now and they need to specialize or, you know, maybe spend more time to reach a certain level than what they used to. But the fact of it it is travel ball has become so much of a focus. Like if you just want to play regular summer ball, that's summer baseball. That's what you got to do. Play on a travel team because the, the city teams, you know, almost don't even exist in some places anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, you know, how much of, of that you've been exposed to or aware of in the last, you know, maybe you're at an age now where where people that we went to high school with, you see they're going to softball tournaments and soccer tournaments every other weekend and just going, going all the time. But like, I don't, man, I don't get it. The thing, the thing that I heard, so I recently heard two sports commenters that I like have separate conversations about it. And one was a, uh, former NFL player who was basically like, it's just not, it's not fun 
for kids. Like it makes Mm -hmm. it their job. I played football as my job. And let me tell you, it was less fun when it was my job than when it was like a fun thing I was doing. So I think there's one side of it that's that. The other side is specifically with basketball. I think this is more of an issue, although also in baseball and softball as well is. So right now we have NBA players who are going to play into their late thirties and be relatively effective. Chris Paul, LeBron, like it's like not an uncommon thing. And it hasn't, I mean, even if you look at like, Ray Allen or people who were great shooters, jump shots don't get old. They can still play NBA ball at a high level into their mid to late thirties. But part of that is you can think of a human body playing basketball as like a car with the miles on it, right? You only have so much cartilage in your knee. You that's it. And when that cartilage is gone, it's gone. You, you, they can do surgeries. They can micro abrade things prolong it for as long as they can yes but it's still but hurts. it's still gonna it's going have to hurt as that yeah. cartilage goes away and when you take kids and instead of having them play 40 games during a basketball season as a high schooler and instead say you're going to play year round you are cutting off years at the end of that person's career and we are seeing that generation of people just come into the nba now where there's going to be a serious question of like, are these going to guys going to play until they're 32, 33 or 37, 38, because they have so much mileage from basketball al- yeah. already. Yeah. By the time uh, that they, they even get in the league. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's like, that's like the very minor problem. The real problem is, is I think, especially with AAU ball for, basketball is like the one that really sticks out right it's like where on some level you are creating like a unrealistic expectation about the number of people who are going to successfully pursue a career as a professional basketball player right yeah you're talking about lottery tickets and like it's not even dependent on your skill level it's dependent on who sees you play do they like the way that you play you could actually be the greatest and not succeed if you don't get the right opportunity so it it very much is like a lotto ticket yeah have to have a lot of things fall in in the the right place and like you said for a lot of those kids it doesn't especially when you start factoring in other things like you know work ethic schoolwork like those things are a little more controllable from an attitude and effort standpoint but i mean there's still things that get factored in and like you said, it's a lottery ticket. Yeah. Are you going to end up at the right school with the coach that knows how to utilize you to put you in a position, you know, where you can succeed? And I don't, I, I just don't like what it's become. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot different. And, and I always think back to like when we were younger, was it like this then? And we just didn't know it, but I don't, I don't think it was nearly as, is big of a thing. I think the first I ever heard of AAU basketball was probably about the time I was a freshman or sophomore. We had a couple of kids that played. Um, there was a travel baseball team, you know, when I was in junior high, but they didn't go super far away. They did a little travel, but nothing crazy. Right. Um, and like now I've got, <laughs> I work with a guy who takes his eight-year-old to all these tournaments in Wisconsin and, and, uh, indiana and all these other places i'm like dude he's eight you should yeah. be happy he's not hitting off a tee right 
he's telling me these stories about how <clears throat> he's yelling at his kid because his kid wasn't paying attention at third base. He was playing in the dirt. I'm like, dude, he's eight. What that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty, that is a pretty terrible invention. Yeah. You think anything else there? I mean, the internet just in general, <laughs> uh, private property as a concept. <laughs> uh, these are all pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Industrialized prison systems, I Ooh. think are pretty high up there on the like, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, medical insurance. <laughs> I, I think, I think some of these are, are too terrible. You, you sound like such a lawyer. I love it. Yeah, they. but I mean, they are awful. Yeah. Terrible. Industry. I mean, you can look at a lot of things that we've come up with as a human race, and we, we fucked up a lot. Yeah, we things. should not have done that. <laughs> we, we should not have done that. Using yeah. uh, hydrocarbons for energy, bad idea. <laughs> Racism. Just, that's, a, yeah. that's a bad invention. I mean, I guess technically it had to be invented at some point, but yes. I mean, I it exists. Of... Yes, it exists. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not really an invention. It just, it just is. Hmm. Is is there anything else you want to focus on individually, or should we should we just change subjects before this topic gets too depressing? I think it would get. I with the the <laughs> the options I've thrown out there, I think we would quickly go into a downward spiral. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to your first topic then. Okay. So I'm. This is. I'm going to start with like the lighter topic. And really, I just want to spread the good news about something that I okay. I discovered recently. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a minor thing, but I think people need to know is that cool sneakers are for everyone. Okay. okay? So that is just like a thing that I thought that I was like too old for, that mm -hmm. I that it was like, no, I can't. I have to just wear like, I have to just wear uncool sneakers forever and if i wear cool sneakers people will like make fun of me and i found out that's not true so especially <laughs> i i have become a big sneakerhead recently okay in the last you know it was like a covid thing that i started like sure. i started to look into it and what i found out is cool sneakers are for everyone not every cool sneaker is for everyone but some <laughs> some cool sneakers are for everyone. Air Force Ones. Mm -hmm. Everyone, every person of yep. any age or any description can wear a pair of Air Force Ones. They are not a particularly expensive sneaker. They cost as much as any, you know, mm -hmm. like name brand sneaker costs. And they are cool. No one who, it, it, as long as they're like clean and they're like in good shape. Right. Like, no one who likes sneakers can be like your Air Force Ones suck. Like you have ugly sneakers. <laughs> like it's just they're probably cool, wearing them too. They 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 definitely have multiple yeah. pairs of Air Force Ones because it's like a mandatory shoe for people to have. It is a very um, clean profile. You can wear it with any number of of stylings, and I just think more people need to wear cooler sneakers because. This is the the other component on it. It is the article of clothing that reveals the most information about you. It is okay. the first thing that people notice. If you see someone and they have on work boots, you have tons of information about that person. <laughs> they have a job that requires them to do manual labor. Yeah, that's and you can you know go from there. 
but wearing the cool sneakers it just if you have a pair of jordan ones on people can just go this person has some taste they care about what they look like they also care about being comfortable and functional mm-hmm. and and the other thing with especially jordan ones but all sneakers is it is a great avenue for self-expression in a way that it, i think is important and more people should consider like it is just like <clears throat> i think it's just it's just a, a thing that is overlooked by too many people i i didn't believe that i could do it and i have found the truth that i can in fact <laughs> and i get i i I don't have any like crazy expensive sneakers. I don't have anything that cost any more than like definitely not more than if you just went and bought a new pair of basketball shoes, like yeah, nothing that is more than that. Definitely nothing that costs more than $200 for a pair of shoes, which okay. like is a, is a, you know, pretty reasonable benchmark given just how much things cost. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, Jordan ones are like 60 or 70 bucks. And you can get them in any color that you want and match it to your attire. If you are, you know, if you have a team that you're affiliated with, you can get the Jordan ones in the color of your team and Mm -hmm. just look so coordinated and fresh and fly and youthful. I just love sneakers. (laughs) And I think more people need to love sneakers. Drew, I don't, I don't mean to, to, you seem like a guy who is like a functional shoe guy. You you nailed it. I'm on the exact opposite side of this um, viewpoint here. So I've enjoyed listening to your your thoughts and explanation here. I will say uh, I, I want to ask in, in your profession, do you do you get to wear your sneakers very often, or are you more of a dress shoe at work guy most of the time? So I am a. That is a thing that changed with COVID, in mm-hmm. large part. Pre-COVID, I was dress shoe or casual dress shoe five days a week friday i might wear a pair of you know dress casual pair cole Haan dress casual shoes mm-hmm. now i can wear sneakers to work every day because i can wear them with a pair of khakis or chinos and a and a polo shirt mm-hmm. and it still is like an acceptable look but that's the that's the trick i'm getting away with wearing comfortable tennis shoes because they're intentional because it's an intentional choice that I made. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about comfortable shoes. Um, at my job, I get anywhere from probably 12 to 20,000 steps a day. Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot of, a lot of steps. Um, I carry around some extra weight, you know, um, and there was a time when, you know, I, I, I never really spent much on shoes. Like when we were in college, I'd go to old Stephen Barry's buy the like $20 pairs of Starberries and wear them around. I wore those at work at the pizza place we worked at forever. And I think that's probably why my feet are as messed up as they are. But, uh, <laughs> um, my Alexa just barked at me. That was really weird. I forgot it was even on. Um, anyway, um, but within the last couple of years, uh, a coworker was telling me about these running shoes that he has that he wears. Um, and he's not a runner. He's like in his sixties and he's like twice my size. He's a big guy, mm-hmm. but he's like, I used to have all these feet problems and I start wearing these. And, um, I feel like running 
there's two options for the brand that you're about to say. Can I okay, guess? Okay, I'll see if you get it because I have two in my mind too. Okay, Brooks. Okay, that was one. And Hoka is the other. I have Hoka's. Okay, the the, <laughs> the white Hoka Hoka. Three, yeah, three pairs of them. Um, I I swear by them. I don't have any of the the arch pain I used to have. Like I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. Every but that's day. a that's a here's the we're we're speaking the same language because we are but we're we're looking at it from two different perspectives but we end up at the same point because a hoka is a premium shoe it is a yeah. very serious like look this this shoe is like doing something and yeah. hokas are cool i mean that's it, it well, is my my wife makes fun of them all the time she calls them my pediatric shoes well they, they do look like orthopedic sole. shoes they do look like a built-up <laughs> shoe they look like for people who have one leg that's shorter than the other but you got two of the shoes that are for yes. people who have one leg shorter than the other <laughs> right um but no and, and like you said it's 150 bucks i think for the the pairs i have um and you know uh one one thing i've learned too is i've gotten older I don't mind spending money on shoes that will last a super long time. Well, yeah, my, my hope is I have now I've had for over a year and they're finally the point where I need to get a new pair. And, but you're in them all the time. Like I said, I'm walking 12 to 20,000 steps a day, five days a week. Like, I don't yeah. even want to think about how many miles I have on them. Like it's a ton and it's just, it's absolutely worth it. Um, the other thing that's like that is your bed, you know? Oh yeah. Don't, don't skimp on a bed. If you're doing it right, you're spending a third of your life there, which I don't, but that's another story. But you should have a bed that's comfortable, something that's going to support you. You know, you don't need to be buying your bed at yard sales and auctions and stuff like that. So bed and shoe are the perfect, they go together Yep. so much. It is a super functional thing that people are just like, well, that's just a thing that I have to have, but it's not. Yeah. I'm an absolute bed psycho. Like I, I, it was a thing when I was starting law school, there are all these books that are like things to do to get ready for law school. And one of the ones that I read said, you got to make sure that you have a nice bed because you're going to be very pressed for time. You're going to have long nights and you need to make sure that you are getting restful sleep when you have the opportunity to get it, which ended up being true. But at that point, my whole bed game absolutely switched like i have to have good pillows i'm a i'm yep. an absolute stickler for having 100 cotton sheets like <laughs> it is just like i i've got to have that stuff yeah to maximize my comfort and my ability to just like sleep well it's yep. not a thing that you can mess around with or like yeah, there's no compromising but i will say i am a cheapskate and with <laughs> shoes or or um, like nice bedding or nice mattresses. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely shop until I find something that's like 90% off because I refuse to pay like $150 <laughs> for just like fabric, just like, ah, yeah. here's just like a flat yeah. sheet is just like a big flat piece of fabric. I'm not paying $70 for it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to wait until some, uh, you know, potentially a very ugly color is on sale <laughs> but if it's super nice fabric and i'm just gonna cover it with a blanket anyway yeah I'm, just, I'm gonna get super nice feeling sheets i'm just gonna do it yeah i can't i can't disagree with you there i'm not i'm not so big on the sheets um i was actually just looking at my pillows today thinking i need to upgrade it's time they've been around a while so crazy pillow story for you <laughs> 
are you familiar with the purple mattress company i've heard of it yes so they make a pillow that is like 200 dollars. oh my which gosh is preposterous that, yes. that's ridiculous that anyone does that there's a purple mattress store at the mall the big mall here in columbus mm-hmm. and i was there and they were doing like a like give us all your information we'll interview for a drawing and we'll give you this like little uh free sample of what the purple mattress material is made out of is just this cool little like tiny mattress made out of that stuff it, i yeah. wanted one of those so i signed up and it was the top prize is a mattress a purple mattress like the premium one and then there are 10 runner-up prizes of these 200 pillows and i won the 200 <laughs> pillow so i have a pillow on my bed right now that is a 200 pillow and while i would never under any circumstances pay that for yeah. people who would i i get i get it i wouldn't i was to say is it worth it do you think I is it worth criticize any i'm not going out to get a second one anytime soon <laughs> yeah um but i completely understand if a person was like no look i just gotta have this it is like oh neck pain gone that's like that's like super gone really? but i i do have i do have extremely nice pillows that i did the thing where i just like every time i would go to the mall i would check what was in the clearance section and if there was like a pillow that was super nice that was heavily marked down i, I would pick interesting one up. yeah that, that might be what i have to do this summer go on the uh, go on the hunt for clearance pillows it's a good you know the ones that you can find that are um that that you can get a good deal on a lot is a a down and feather pillow mm-hmm. which seemed like a luxury item i would never own until i started this <laughs> thing where i would like look and you can you can get one for 10 15 bucks sometimes mm-hmm. and a, a cheaper down pillow doesn't last that long totally worth it totally worth it okay i'll uh add that to my my shopping list yeah it's just a thing that and and that grew out of also that became a thing where when I did have downtime in law school, <laughs> downtime early in the legal career, just to like get out and do something would just be I'll just go walk around the mall and yeah. see what's there. I yep. am a, I am very cheap. I refuse to buy things that are full price. So <laughs> I would just look through the clearance section as like a you know oh I'll go to Macy's look around see what's on sale yep. there, go to Pennies or whatever look around there. And sometimes you find stuff that's like, this is legitimately great. It'd be a mistake. I can use this. It'd be a mistake not to buy it. I'd be losing money if I didn't buy this pillow. (laughs) And yeah, that's just like a fun little uh, uh, hobby. Hmm. But sneakers, I I just think (laughs) you you should. um, I think what you were saying about you have so many miles in them and they last about a year. The thing that I did recently that I really like is within the span of about three months, I bought like four pairs of mm-hmm. Jordans. And so now I rotate them and they all look yeah. new. You know, it's yeah. they, I've had that four, those four pairs for 18 months, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe I wear a pair two or three times every two weeks. Yeah. They're still new. Right. They're not going to wear down the same way. Yes. Sure. Yes. And that's, that's the thing. Uh, that might not might not be a bad idea. I, I get in the habit of rotating my shoes to where I've got one pair that I wear to work. I've got one pair that I wear around the house. If it's yard work, if it's uh, 
doing stuff out in the garage or anything like that, or, you know, run into the store on Saturday. Sure. Um, I actually have a pair of slides that I wear, Hoka slides that are just like walking on clouds too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wear those like everywhere around the house. Like I don't ever walk just on my flat feet anymore. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think about if I could do that where I bought like a couple pairs at the same time and just kind of, it, it it comes down to maybe this this section uh, is more appropriately called the importance of looking for deals. But that's what that <laughs> it's not like I I bought three pairs of shoes at full price. It right. was hey, there's this awesome sale that's going on this month. I'm gonna get two pairs of sneakers, and then next month, you know, oh, I want a pair of those. Those are super marked down too. Next thing I know, I have three or four pairs, and it's like this is yeah. a much better system. Yeah. And that, yeah, that might be uh, the better way to look at it. Hit, hitting the deals when they're hot kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we've reached the lesson <laughs> here. All right. We ready for the next topic? I think so. Okay. Now, this is going to be kind of a, a two-parter. I asked you earlier today because, I, I mean, in the time I've known you, I've always thought of you as someone who enjoys stand-up comedy. And I, I am as well. And the concept of the Mount Rushmore gets played out everywhere all the time. Like, who's on your Mount Rushmore of? Sure. So in terms of stand-up comedy, I want your personal Mount Rushmore. And then after I go over mine, I'm thinking maybe we could work together to come up with like a, a Mount Rushmore for in general comedy in general, like, you know, like who would be on that, that list, like the big four. Sure. So, um, so if you want to think I can go over the beginning of mine here and, and I guess if anything, let me know who you've heard of and who you haven't. Cause that's the beauty of stand-up comedy is there's so many people that do it. So many people that have different approaches to it. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, who's, who's been heard of and who hasn't kind of thing. Um, the, the very first person I would put up on my personal Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedy is Mitch Hedberg. Okay. And I think that's what pains me now as we're getting older. Like he's been dead for like 17 years or something, probably yes. longer. And people don't know who he is. And that just blows my mind. But in terms of uniqueness, delivery, one-liners, like it doesn't get any better. Uh, was he awkward was he weird hell yeah was he a lot of fun hell yeah you know yeah um next one i have on my list is jim gaffigan sure i feel i feel like that might be low-hanging fruit um because he's just become such an icon now um but i remember i started watching him when he first came out i remember watching his his uh special when he first came out and having that on tape and watching it over had his first CD and all that. And then to see what he's become now. Um, I don't know. Do you even remember he had like a sitcom that was on CBS for a while, even before Vaguely. he was big into stand up? Yeah, I can't think of what it was called. It was something I feel like he played like a TV weatherman or something, but I'd have to go back and look. But uh, it's just been fun, you know, throughout life to see what he's grown into and what he's become. Um, the third one I have on my list is Eddie Izzard. Okay, sure. You're familiar there? Yeah. Um, once again, unique approach. 
Um, sure, that's one way to describe <laughs> it. Uh, it just and I always I always enjoyed the um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like he has a certain intelligence to his comedy that you don't get out of all standups. Um, maybe it's a British thing. Maybe it's just the way he he chose to portray himself. But I always thought it worked, and I always appreciated that sense of humor. Um, that and he's one of the few comedians I've seen live and he was absolutely phenomenal live. Um, so yeah, I put him on there too. And then I, for my fourth spot, I've got like, it's kind of crowded. I don't, I couldn't pick one. Sure. Um, so I'm just going to say some names and all you got to do is tell me if you've heard of them. Uh, Dana Gould. Yes. Thoughts on Dana Gould. Um, I mean, very good. Yeah, like I, I love Dana Gould. Classic, um, yeah. Brad Williams. That does is is he the guy who's from Benton? No, no. Brad Williams is a dwarf. Oh, oh. Maybe. 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 <laughs> no. Um John Caparulo. Yes, but I don't I if I saw him, I would go, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other one I had listed was Todd Berry. Okay. Love Todd Berry. <laughs> so dry. Yeah. Just I love Todd so... Berry. His, yeah. his, uh, crowd work special was extremely yes. good. Yes. Um, he did a part of his crowd work tour and came through up here and I so badly wanted to go see it, but I, I had something else going on that night. Um, mm-hmm. would have been so much fun, but those are like my tight for fourth place guys. Okay. So yeah, I just gave you seven. <laughs> Yeah, you're. I feel like you're cheating on the exercise. I I am. I am. But it's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Sure. Understood. <laughs> Understood. So my first question, then, before you get into yours, is there any overlap? I think that. So I think Jim Gaffigan is probably in my like group of the the four people at the end. That's actually like seven yeah. people. I think he yeah. probably falls in there somewhere. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think my I think my three, he wouldn't he wouldn't make that list. But he's on the fringe. He's on the fringe. Yes. Okay. So based on got? the strength, based on the strength of his early stuff. So I don't know how into him you are, like his whole his whole like what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've listened to some long interviews with him that he's done, and I very much get the sense that he like kind of opened up his writing a little more to have his wife help him out with his writing. Yes. And I feel like his material became a lot more kind of like inane and like less interesting a little bit where, yeah. well, I mean, the guy's got like 57 comedy specials. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he puts out a lot of joke. Stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I think that he did the thing, which I do not hold against anybody where he was like, look, I found the business model. That's like extremely yes. successful. Yep. Like I do jokes about food. And like, just like interesting observations about food and people will pay for it. And I'm just yep. going to do that until people stop paying for it. I don't begrudge that at all. I'm, yeah. I'm probably not the consumer of that. Like, right. Right. But you do you, man. And I think you, I think you nailed it when you mentioned his early stuff, because honestly, anything he's put out probably in the last eight to 10 years, I don't know if I'm really on top of. But like his first probably four or five albums and specials. Yeah. Great. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, so for my list, I think 
I I would put so George Carlin is like on there yep. as a as a clear on the list. And the it, only reason he, he's not on mine is because I'm not I've I don't feel like I've judged enough of his body of work sure. to be able to do that. But when I, I started, you know, my overall Mount Rushmore, he was the first name I put down because in my mind, like that's as good as it gets. Yes. And was around for a long time in a very interesting way. Um, yeah. So I would, I would put him there. Controversial uh, choice. Number two is Dave Chappelle, not yep. based on his recent material, which I did yeah. not find to be particularly good, yeah. but just on the strength of everything that he did prior to the last five years mm-hmm. where it was like, he's just clearly the best at this yeah. in a way that other people are not where with him, with a lot of people and, and George Carlin's a great example of this where George Carlin's funniest stuff is like heavily planned out bits mm-hmm. that are like very rehearsed. And Dave Chappelle is like the opposite end of the spectrum where like he could just talk and yeah. it's hilarious. Like yeah. you feel like if you just asked him to talk about anything, it would be the funniest thing that you ever heard. So, I mean, he's, he's probably going on there as a number two. I, and then I'm going to give you two number threes. Okay. So a total of four. Well, yeah. And, but one, <laughs> one has to be removed. Okay. And that is Louis CK it would definitely be number three on my list. Like he yep. would probably actually be number one on my list if he had continued to make material in the way that he had prior to him really taking a turn uh, for the worse in, in some terrible ways. And it's, you know, an art from artist kind of situation. You got to separate those two things, but, but it is not just that it is also that his recent material, which I don't know if you've heard any of it kind of stinks. It's not that good. He's, he's somebody that was always kind of on the the periphery of my radar, but I never really got deep into I mean, there are, there are certain specials of his, like I have a very vivid memory of being on a plane on, on a plane to St. Louis from Ohio and like embarrassingly laughing out loud as I listened (laughs) to one of his watching his special on the flight where like people were like, what's wrong with that guy? He is just like (laughs) laughing far too hard uh, at, at something. And so like, I mean, he had stuff that was on that level, his TV show comedians always get their own TV show his yeah. tv show next level good he made two great tv shows um but obviously we've had to chip his face off of the mount rushmore yes and replace him <laughs> due to his being canceled uh and uh, you know maybe appropriately so so yeah. i'm replacing yeah. him and i'm going to put someone in his his place that i think is just he's he's top tier and has been around a long time and that's Pat Oswalt. I so for whatever reason when I thought of this question one of the first thoughts I had is I'm like I'm pretty sure he's a huge Pat Oswalt fan. Yeah, and and man, he's just got good stuff. Mm-hmm. He just is like this this is like sticks out to two two things about him that stick out to me. One is he is notorious as a person in Hollywood who if you make a comedy script you just have Pat Oswalt like go through it and make the jokes better. Like you yeah. just pay him a couple hundred thousand bucks. Hey, read this script and like make the jokes better. Yeah. That's awesome. That, I mean, 
The other thing is there was a legal case that came up regarding joke theft and Pat Oswalt was the star expert witness regarding how stand-up <laughs> comedy works. Yeah. Um, and, and when I saw that, I was like, I, I couldn't think of anybody better because he mm-hmm. kind of has perfected the art. And so yeah. that's probably who I'm, I'm putting in at number three. I like it. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, I, when it comes to Pat and Oswalt, there's not like a lot of his stuff that sticks in my mind, but I always think of the special he did after his wife passed away. Yeah. And just how, how emotional that was. Like that was a really, just a really powerful thing to watch. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's probably still on Netflix or something somewhere. I would think. Yeah, definitely. I can watch that. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, and that's the, I think that that's probably what puts him over the top for me as, as being in that top, yeah. you know, top three, top four is his ability to do just completely ridiculous things and also to do things where he touches on serious subjects. Yeah. And does so in a way that is like watchable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cringeworthy. Yes. Like so, so many end up being. Um, I like that. Anybody on your else on your fringe you want to recognize? So I, I have always <laughs> been a huge fan of Lewis Black for like the similar kind of reasons yeah. is that yeah. he's very insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's like a very, very smart person um, yeah. and is able to put a finer point on, you know, like pressing topics where he can explain them in a way. I recall one of his specials, he talks about politics a lot, obviously, but he, the way he starts it off is is saying uh, Republicans suck and Democrats blow, and that's like what <laughs> that is is he really dishes it out to everybody? Yeah, um, and is is just like truthful in a way that a lot of people are not. Yeah. Um, somebody else on the list, and I, I think that for him, the only thing maybe keeping him from a top spot is not having as much content. And this is also why Mitch Hedberg just doesn't make the list. I think Mitch Hedberg is like next level with everything, but there's just not much of it. Right. There's just you not, have to, you have to dig to find stuff. And yeah. when somebody died 18 years ago. There's not much left to find. And and he just wasn't, it's not like he had a 15 year career before right. his death. He had a right. three year career before. His yeah. Death. I think it was um, 10, but I get yeah. your point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well for the point that he was like, doing specials that i was seeing it right. was just a few years um yeah but daniel tosh yeah I think is hysterically funny he yeah. he like gets a thing that is and does it in the, the right way that is awesome um yeah but he kind of he found a thing in, much like we were saying with jim gaffigan where it's just easier for him to make Tosh.0 than it was oh, yeah. to like do. And that's what, that's what I'm thinking. I feel like I've seen a stand-up before, but I don't remember. If I has, have, it's been a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. What about, uh, uh, any thoughts on Anthony Jeselnik? So too, too far. He, he yeah. is, it, There's too much of his, I think that he is immensely talented and it's yeah. funny at times, but I think that he has too much of his laughs are just shock-based. Yeah, it's just based on from like, from being one of the few that's willing to go. Yeah, to be like to I'm point. saying horrible things, and I think that Daniel Tosh is very much in that same vein. But he just with with Jesselnick, it's more in a 
he delivers it in a serious tone, even though it's not serious. He doesn't really mm-hmm. mean it. Daniel Tosh, it clearly comes across as a joke. Like there's no way to yeah. miss that he is joking yeah. about it. And with Jesselnik, I think that there are people who watch him and don't get it. That there yeah. are some people who are like, they think he actually feels that way. That he <laughs> actually feels that way. And yeah. that's what that's what puts me off of him is yeah. that it is not obvious enough that it's a joke. Yeah. I actually was listening to something a little bit ago where he was like, he wasn't on stage. It was an interview. He was just doing a normal interview, normal voice. And I'm like, this doesn't even sound like the same guy. Like, right. like it's totally a character. And he gets up there and does his thing, which obviously, otherwise he's a freaking terrible person. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, um, he was always one that I I've thought was kind of controversial. And I was kind of curious for your thoughts there. So if we're, we're putting together the all-time stand-up comedy Mount Rushmore, We've got George Carlin on it. Who else are we going to put on? My my next thought was Richard Pryor. Sure. But that's, from my standpoint, that's simply based on name because I don't know much of his stuff at all. So, yeah, so I do. And, I mean, he's next level hilarious. Again, he was around for a long time, but I just don't know that there is enough, I guess. Yeah. yeah. To, that he did enough specials. George Carlin has like 25 specials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least. You yeah. know, that um, I think is what maybe, I think he goes in that fourth category where he has to share one spot on Mount Rushmore with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Um, another thought I had, and I don't really ever think of him as a stand-up comedian, um, and I'm not sure what your thoughts are here, but what about Robin Williams? Yeah. I mean, so Robin Williams, hilarious stand-up comedy, bad stand-up comedian. He notorious. Ooh, he was he I was like a it. notorious joke theft. Notorious. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, it became like a running joke that people who just like needed money would go up and be like, "Hey, uh, Robin, you you stole one of my jokes in your last bid," and he would just give him a thousand bucks. Like, and he didn't know, right? His is just like a coke fueled manic, like yeah. crazy energy. I don't know that his stand up skills would warrant his inclusion there. He's obviously mm-hmm. a hilarious person, a great comedic actor. I don't know that his like repertoire as far as stand-up skills go. Yeah. Put him on that list. I agree. I agree. And I know when I, I was trying to think of people that would fall into the mainstream there, that would be kind of the bigger names that sure that, that people look at, you know, and that's, that's why I brought both of them up. Um, I I've always enjoyed any stand-up that I saw Robin Williams do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, I always kind of felt like something was missing and I, I think you might've nailed it there as it's, you know, maybe it's stuff we've heard before and it's just being given to us in a different manner now. And it's... probably better than the person who wrote the joke. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's with better energy and timing than the person who actually wrote the joke. But it, it's he also, I mean, he gets a lot of mileage out of funny voices. I have a problem with people who are getting too much mileage out of funny voices. As if, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, so I mean, the the name you haven't said yet that has to be on there is Jerry Seinfeld, though, right? Like, that's and like that's, not. That was one that was I was considering. I was just talking to somebody about his stand up the other day, and outside of like the bits you see in Seinfeld, like I don't know if I've ever actually seen just a stand up 
uh, special. You got to watch him. You have to okay. watch him because his is really like, I mean, in a lot of ways, he's the Michael Jordan of stand-up comedy. Like he's like okay. the Beatles of stand-up comedy. Where like, is it is it exactly your thing? Probably not. Like it's probably not like this is no. Like I only know a few people who have ever said like Jerry Seinfeld's their favorite stand-up comedian. But yeah. you can't watch him do a special without going. This is this is perfect. Like he yeah. has he has nailed the art form. These jokes are all timed perfectly. This you know there's enough jokes in there. Like mm-hmm. he's he's truly a master of stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I think he he definitely definitely has to be there. Okay. And I I'm gonna, he, I'm gonna make sure to watch watch his stand up um, this summer. Then he, have you heard the the bit about chopsticks versus like spoons? Hmm. I don't I don't know. That's you gotta. I mean, that's a great place to start. Jerry Seinfeld okay. chopsticks, where you know China they have all the great inventions they they still are using chopsticks <laughs> you don't see how do you not come up with spoons and forks you don't see people out in a field with just two giant chopsticks <laughs> trying to like no you get a shovel that's what yeah. i mean yeah but i mean the master of observational yeah comedy i mean and he built a whole tv series out of it yes because yeah. I, that's i've in the last probably year and a half i've been digging more into seinfeld and that's exactly what it is, is observational. Everything is a real life situation. And you know, I, how do I, you respond? How do people handle this? I do think that the genius of the Seinfeld show is Larry David, though. 100%. More, more so than Jerry Seinfeld. I think Jerry Seinfeld's a funny guy who yep. was able to carry out Larry David's vision for hilarity. And, and I don't know if this is true or not, but in my mind, how it works, you know, Jerry has the the idea from the comedy or the joke larry david turned the entire joke or series of jokes into an entire episode yes and then he pieced it together with you know quality acting all around yes absolutely so um here's here's a reach name that i think you're gonna go okay i'm I'm good with those two so far i where you're gonna be like i don't think that makes very much sense that you're saying that but this is let's reach in the wayback machine a little bit, and okay. I think that Bob Newhart probably close on the list. So he is very much a person who, in my mind, he is like one of the first modern stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, his his bits that he did, I mean, are like very. You listen to them and they are dated. Obviously, they're 60 years old, 70 years old at this point. Yeah. It's impossible. I mean, a lot of them are based on like one-sided phone conversations. Right. But, but I think that he very much is a person who like invented the version of stand-up comedy that we see now. Mm-hmm. And I see that. so I mean, the other I had to look it up. Bob Newhart's 92 years old. I was just sure. very curious. To, I knew he was still alive. I just wasn't sure how old. He is. He and he, I mean, he had two funny TV shows. Yeah. And they were I both mean, good. One lasted for six years. One lasted for eight. This so. is my brother, Daryl. My other yeah. brother, Daryl. Yeah. That's a hilarious <laughs> joke. That is, that's a great joke. Yeah. Yeah. Timeless, too. Yeah. I mean, the the... 
the next name that I think comes up in the conversation that I'm ambivalent about including is like Lenny Bruce, right? Yeah. The inspiration for George Carlin. Yeah. I think very much if you're going to like what was the what got us to modern stand-up comedy, he's a name that comes up. I think that he had more misses than hits in yeah. a lot of ways. He's he is not someone who holds up particularly well. Yeah. Um, but was the person who defined the like, hey, part of stand-up comedy is saying things that you're not allowed to say. That's like what and, makes and it. And I feel funny. like I feel like a lot of modern comics give him credit for paving the path for them to do what they do now like i feel like i've heard that on multiple interviews Well, i mean he was getting arrested for doing stand-up comedy like that's the thing that i think is like what puts him there is while while stand-up comedians now might run the risk of like being canceled or people being mad at them on the internet like Mm -hmm. they're not going to jail for their yeah yeah um hmm does does Dave Chappelle come close to that for you? That that top four? I would say so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely on that level of true like genius levels. Like he's in that group, maybe just below. Yeah. That was that was actually a name that I had up there because just because I don't know his stuff as well. And and when he was in his prime, he wasn't high on my list. Man, I, the two but the two big specials, his two biggest specials, true masterpieces. Part of, I think what I'm knocking him down on the list is the weakness of what he's done lately. Yeah. I think he's like kind of out of touch a little bit. Yeah. He's still a little insightful. I mean, he, the last special I saw, he had a very long, a very long bit that was ultimately like a, a point about Bill Cosby, about seeing like a superhero do bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, like, he was have basically it was like I'm having a hard time with Bill Cosby being a you know terrible person because he was like important to me. Right. It just like wasn't funny. <laughs> like yeah. it just yeah was not a funny joke. Like okay, I get the point that you're making, but that's like not actually funny. It, it was a miss. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else, you know, because I I let's go with this then is George Carlin the best of all time i i i would probably i think that the two the two names that go at the top are george carlin and jerry seinfeld yeah based on longevity and time spent producing like high quality content Mm -hmm. uh i think those are like one and one a and one b and take your pick on the order of those two Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I'm realizing in terms of a lot of the older type comedians, there's there's just, I don't know enough, you know. Sure. I don't know enough about Richard Pryor. I like the fact that you're including longevity. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think that's got to be a big point. And like you're saying, too, you want it to be somebody that had a big impact, which is where a case like, you know, for Bob Newhart and uh, Lenny Bruce makes sense. I, I think the other name that goes in that, that fourth spot of like people who almost made the list is Chris Rock. Yeah. I, I what about what about Eddie Murphy though? Yeah. So when Eddie I hear Mur- Chris Rock, I automatically associate it with Eddie Murphy because very much they, they go yeah. hand in hand. I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think that this is a situation where it's hard for me to 
while I can recognize like Bob Newhart is being, you know, very important to stand up comedy, even though he's from a different time. When you talk about Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock, yeah. like Chris Rock was my generation. Eddie yeah. Murphy was the generation before me. I yeah. get the that he was like the funniest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, Eddie Murphy, some problematic things in some of his older material <laughs> that yeah. are like very much not cool by today's standards. Yeah. I think there's a little less of that with Chris Rock. Um, yeah. Don't tell Will Smith that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will Smith has problems with Chris Rock's uh, bits. But I mean, I think that I think that Chris Rock comes out ahead of the two. And Eddie Murphy did the thing, right. He switched to movies. He just switched to movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after a few big hits and some time on SNL, which great career move, you make a ton more money doing that yeah. than you do doing stand up specials. So more power to him. I think Chris Rock was a stand up comedian for longer. Yeah. What about this name as like an extremely successful person, Kevin Hart? Yeah. I mean, not my yeah. cup of tea in any way, shape, or form, but he's a person who, if he went on, if he announced a tour next week, he's selling out arenas. Like, yeah, full stop. Yeah, and that's that's very true. Um, and I don't, <laughs> Kevin Hart. I I've not. I don't know if I've ever watched, and I I don't know. I don't know if I have enough to really make a, a good. I, comparison I, there but in my mind i i put both eddie murphy and chris rock ahead of I, ahead of him i think he's probably like the same like the same thing that i was saying about how i feel about eddie murphy versus chris rock i think there are yeah. probably people who say i feel that way about kevin hart and i don't like chris rock as much because he's yeah you know a generation prior yeah i think that that kevin hart really is that person for that vein of comedy yeah today I could see that. Um, one more, one more question here. Since we've, there's one glaring thing missing. Who is the funniest woman stand up? And all this, and I, I hate that we've not discussed a woman, but one you don't see a lot of women doing stand up. It's yeah. really hard for them to get into it. It is true. I mean, I think that I think that Ellen DeGeneres is like the the female Jerry Seinfeld, like her material is just like next level good. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting her. Uh, Kathleen Madigan is a, she's, I feel like I should know who that is. And off the top, I don't. She's, I, she's a St. Louis comedian, I believe. Um, okay. I'm almost certain she's from St. Louis and is really good. It's just has been around since the nineties and is still doing like good material. Mm-hmm. um i really like her i think i think she's pretty pretty high on my list yeah um but i think i think ellen in the same way of as i think of jerry seinfeld where just like she had specials where it was just like this is this is perfect stand-up comedy like i have no feedback like this is just like the best you can do this medium yeah and i'm not sure i don't i don't know if i've ever seen any of her stand-up it's good. I'm sure it's, like, it's out there. It's like, it's like she might be a horrible person to work for, but she <laughs> did funny jokes. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at it, 
just kind of where she's been in her career. Like you can see why maybe she hasn't done that much stand up. Like you're saying, they found something that made money that was easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's, there's probably like people were leaving off that list that it's like, and that's what I actually had to look up a list here to make sure I wasn't overlooking anyone. I know Amy Schumer is kind of a big deal now. She's the worst. She's, I don't know. I don't know anything about her stuff. She's horrible. Um, She is not, she's not funny. And I don't have any problems saying that that's, I, I think that (laughs) she, Wanda Sykes pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was a name I just saw too that I I I thought for sure she might be up there. Um, a person I never liked at first, but I've grown to like more is Sarah Silverman. Yeah, I I get I get her thing. I think she's funny. I don't yeah. love her stand up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's what a good it comes way to put to. it. I mean, Joan Rivers is like a person who would go on that list. I don't know that you've seen a lot of Joan Rivers stand up, but she I don't I definitely don't even think of her as a stand up. She is a hilarious <laughs> lady. Really? Yeah, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm looking at the list. I think that I we've got Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> is had some very funny specials. And I think Uh-oh. that's that's those are the names I'm willing to like put in that conversation. Yeah. In my mind, um Whoopi Goldberg's career peaked when she was in Eddie. Sure, Eddie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was my favorite work of hers maybe sister acts you know so one or two yes <laughs> okay yeah appropriate answer um yeah you know maybe if i'm being a good connoisseur of stand-up comedy i need to watch more watch more women doing stand-up but you don't see it that often you really don't no no you you don't and that is it's just not it's just not a thing that has been presented to we're in the business of right we don't make decisions on like what stand-up specials yeah. show up on netflix we watch what's there yep. and there have just been less female stand-up comedians there so like i don't think that's necessarily like us being bad people that we can't right. think of as in as many female stand-up comedians there just have been less in that stratosphere that have been presented to us yep i agree i agree and um, I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's a bad thing. No, no, I agree. The it's uh, something there could be, be more of. Um, but at the same time, like you see, you see women fighting for equality in certain areas. And that's not one that I've ever seen or heard anything about, you know? I definitely have. Yeah. I definitely, definitely have seen that be a conversation. Really? Yeah, for sure. I'm you're uh, a little more in tune with that than I am then. <laughs> um, are you ready to move on to your second topic? I think I, we just did like 35 minutes on standup. So I am. So um, my topic, another thing, I'm just trying to spread the good news and spread the word about things. Okay. And that is alternative sports media. Okay. And what I mean by that is I think that for most of the time that I was in high school and college, I watched ESPN <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Non-stop. That was yep. the default channel to watch. I cannot tell you the last time I watched SportsCenter. I don't even know who hosts SportsCenter anymore. Right. I, I And it is not that I am consuming less sports media. If anything, I am consuming more sports media than I ever have in my life. Yeah. But it is more 
niche and it is more directly in touch with athletes. Yeah. The, the, the biggest name in, in my, you know, rotation is the Pat McAfee's show. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> and so that there's that, but then there's also, and it's interesting that they're both sponsored by the same though on that same level is all of Bill Simmons's universe. His podcast universe is like, it's the best. It's just the yeah. best, most insightful stuff that you can get. It's a mixture of like your, you know, just your top level covering the stories going on. Then they, you also have access to people who are like very much involved in the X's and O's and the, the details of scouting players and putting draft reports together and mm -hmm. like really covering what it's going to look like on the field or on the court. And you have access to those things in a way you didn't before. And you have access to hearing the kind of unfiltered thoughts of players or people who were in the league who can share more insight than you're ever going to get from a host on ESPN, which yeah. is very much a, and I think it's so much more prevalent with football where like the, the Sunday morning pregame football shows, they are, it is people with PhDs talking to kindergartners. Truly, when you get a guy like Rex Ryan, who is kind of a doofus. Oh, yeah. But, but what he is talking about when he's talking on a Sunday morning sports show is him giving, you know, 1% of his knowledge of what the game actually looks like. Like, he's yeah. never going to say anything about a cover three or a two technique. Like, that's yep. those aren't words you're going to hear him say. Yep. But it's there. And sometimes I like that content. Like, I want to be able to access that. Yeah. And I would say, you know, not not to sound <clears throat> um, too arrogant here, I feel like ESPN is dumbed down for the very basic sports fan. Yes. You know, and if you want to find something that is deeper, you know, you should do that. You're capable of doing that. You don't have to settle for what's on ESPN. And I think you're exactly right. Like in my my sports media experience, there's so much more too than what there was. You know, yeah. I was I was an ESPN News whore. ESPN News was on my TV 17 hours a day at least. You know, um, and I knew what was going on. And I I have Sports Center on sometimes now, um, but it's there's there's so many different places you can go. Right now, at this point in my life, I am a huge soccer fan, and I listen to probably two or three different podcasts every week, focused solely on my soccer team, and. You know what? One of the hosts was out this week. He was on vacation. You know who they brought in to guest host? The coach of the freaking team. Yeah. You don't get that on ESPN. You no, know? Absolutely and not. It's if you absolutely hear phenomenal. from the coach, you hear from him for three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it wasn't a guest spot, too. You know, it's a it's a 50-minute podcast. And and the guy's asking him hard questions like, hey, your your right winger who scored 10 goals last year only has one. What's going on? You know, what's his What's holding them back? And they they got into the conversation about it. Right. You didn't have stuff like that 20 years ago. Right. You know, it's it's uh really, really good stuff. And from the fantasy aspect, I know you play some fantasy sports, obviously football. I don't know if you get into anything else. Um, I play fantasy everything, you name it. I've got a team. Um, but I can find all the media I want for that. And you know what? If I want to listen to a fantasy hockey podcast. I can find four or five different things to choose from until I find somebody that 
I feel brings me the information I need. And that's, that's it. And with, with fantasy football is where I've done the deepest dive. And Mm -hmm. there is such a range of option, even at that level where I can find people who are covering it in like a funny, interesting way where it's like half jokes and like entertainment and half information. Or I can find people who are just like reading spreadsheets to me who are like, here is the real information and I am dumping this information that is useful to you. You choose what to do with it. Yes. And, and that range of options is like a hugely new thing. And I think it's not going anywhere. Right. Right. Um, And let's go back to a little bit of what you said there. ESPN is all about entertainment now. And Like that's fine. There's a, there's an audience for it. There's people who want it, and that's kind of goes back to what we were saying about comedians. They found what works, and they went with it. And right, I don't right. I don't blame them, but it's not it's not necessarily what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know. So and um, you know, just the, and I think of like the different things. There's podcasts. Um, I don't know if you're a satellite radio user or not. It used to be. Yeah. I'm I'm only using it right now because I, I bought a car a couple months ago and That's, I got a couple months free. That was me. That was me. <laughs> and then they're like, here, five dollars a month for like the next three years. They got me on that stuff okay. too until <laughs> then I finally I got charged one month and it was like forty dollars for satellite radio. And I was like, nah, definitely not doing that. And I called <laughs> and they were like, No, it really it is like 40 bucks now. And I was like, okay, well, I definitely don't need that. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. But and there's just, there's so many different places you can go. And even if, if you'd rather read about it, you know, there's YouTube videos, there's people that put out YouTube shows and podcasts. I don't, do you know who Pat Mayo is? No. Um, he's more of like a betting guy, uh, fantasy golf kind of thing. Okay. Uh, he does some fantasy football, but anyway, I know that's a, a big name and they always put on a show and a lot of guys I know listen to him for, for different things. And it's like, it's interesting to see how it's grown over the years. You know, everybody has has their area and they find their way to succeed and, and what's going to get them money. And it's 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 a good time to be a consumer yeah, of that kind of thing because you can find anything you want. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the next evolution of that, right, is people like Peyton Manning having their own production company that is doing the simulcast, the Manning cast of Monday yeah. night football games. I think that simulcasts are going to be an even bigger deal than ever before this upcoming season with the Amazon. Um, oh yeah. More, more games that. being on Amazon. You are going to have the option of you already did last year, but it wasn't highly publicized um, mm-hmm. at ESPN did the, the film room version where you could watch coaches and players watching the game i think that that's the next step because people calling games is the place where the espn thing makes the most sense right like people calling games are they need to be for everyone they need to be for everyone to be able to watch the game and enjoy it and that has been the standard operating procedure where you want people who are inoffensive who are conveying what's happening in the most basic detail that everyone can understand Obviously, like Troy Aikman could explain, you know, like he is sharing 1% of his knowledge during yeah. the game. Yeah. You know, he's he's not saying what he's actually seeing. I think we're going to see more availability of watching people actually breaking down the game in real time. Yeah. 
And that's not a bad thing. No, no, I'm really looking <laughs> forward to it. I feel like I feel like uh, the NBA tried something like this year, like that this year, where they had like a players' lounge. I don't remember what network did it, but it was like Kevin Garnett. I feel like and somebody else like were watching the game and they would talk about different things. I didn't watch it. It didn't appeal to me enough. I mean, mm-hmm. it's regular season NBA, so take that for what it's worth. But yeah, um, unwatchable basically. Yeah. <laughs> Finals have been okay, but up, um, up and down. Not the teams I wanted to see, but. Um, it's been an extremely interesting playoffs, despite the outcomes have been interesting. The games yeah. have not been the most interesting. Yeah, a lot of blowouts. Yeah. Um, I said before the finals, Celtics and six, and I'm still feeling pretty good about that. I, I think Celtics and six or seven makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was telling somebody, I said, this reminds me of the 2004 NBA finals when the Lakers had Gary Payton and Carl Malone with Shaq and Kobe. And they came up against the Pistons who actually played defense and yes. just worked their ass off. I said, it's the similar setup. Yeah. It, um, the, the analogy that I heard, I, I'm having a hard time thinking of who the opponent was. Um, was it this, was it the Celtic, the 08 uh, Laker team it was like Kobe and Pau Gasol, Pau Gasol and, and um, Lamar Odom. Yep. And then like a bunch of nobodies. Yep. And that's what the that's what Golden State very much feels like is it's like yep. Steph Curry and like two other pretty good players and then a bunch yep. of scrubs. Yeah. And it is very dependent on if those scrubs like the the two other good players on the team play well on a given night. Yeah. And if if Steph goes off, if Kobe scores 45 every night, they win the right. Season. Like that's that's what that feels like. Very, very similar. Definitely. Um so we've got off on NBA Finals talk. Anything else you want to say about sports media? Uh, just to encourage people to check out McAfee's show. I really can't <laughs> say enough good things. It's obviously yeah. he is he is very focused on football. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, he is not a great resource for NBA Finals content. If that's a thing you're really <laughs> hungry for. He's getting yeah. better about golf content. But yeah. for just pure entertainment, his show is second to none. The other thing I love about his show, like I think people lump him in because he was formerly associated with Barstool, which Barstool, I don't, I don't mess with Barstool with bad vibes. I don't like the yeah. toxic bro culture thing. I don't need any yeah. of that. His is basically like all the good things of Barstool with none of the bad things, where yeah. it is like fun guys who are friends talking about sports, but you have the knowledgeable people there who actually can share insight about, Hey, here's what really goes on in the NFL locker room. And I just think it's, you, you can't, there's nothing better than it. It is the best sports show going hands down. I might have to check it out. I know I've avoided it because I know a lot of people who've listened to it and I've always kind of lumped it in with that, that bro culture type of thought. And see, it's absolutely not that like, and he is very, Pat McAfee is very intentional about, we're not doing that. Yeah. But they can still like give each other shit and, and give each other a hard time and rib on each other. But you know that it always comes from a place of like that they care about each other, that they are right. friends. There's nothing toxic about it. They yeah. joke about stuff being toxic on the show when they give each other a hard time. But there is nothing that is like, this is a bummer. This, this person's having a bad time. Like it's all fun. It is the thing yeah. that when I feel like tense about work, or just like am am anxious it's a thing to put on and it just is always relaxing like it is just always like 
man, this show feels good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'll, I'll have to check it out, especially with football season ramping up here soon. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets the best. The The one good thing that he gets on the off season is there are a few teams that he's really tied in with like mm-hmm. the Colts, obviously yeah. uh, the chargers, Tom Telesco, the GM there is the person who like who, who brought him in and was an yeah. assistant GM with the Colts and was around him a lot and the bills for whatever reason. But a thing that you don't get a lot of football wise is the thing you were talking about with the coaches and like long form interviews, he will get the GM of the chargers or the bills to come in and talk to him for 45 minutes about how they view team building and like what their plans are for Mm -hmm. the team. He'll get coaches. He'll get Justin Herbert to come in and talk for 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. And you just don't get that anywhere else. People aren't doing that. They're doing it with him because people have a relationship with him and know that they can like trust him and have a a forthright open conversation with him. And you, it's just not something that you see other places. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll definitely check that out then. Um, yeah, I think we'll go on to my third topic here. And I don't even know if we'll talk about this one this long, but it's been something I've been struggling with trying to figure out what to do. And I want to know, maybe you've got an answer here, maybe you don't. What do you do with phone contacts, like contacts in your phone of people after they die. Sure. Because um, <laughs> in the last two years, um, I had a friend die. He was an older guy. Um, and I was just going through stuff the other day, and I'm like, Jimbo, he's still on my phone. He died like two years ago. Like, why is it still there? But like, I feel weird deleting it. And then there was another guy who uh, I went to college with and I still played fantasy football with and stayed in contact with. And he passed away back in January. And like, what do you do with that? Yeah. And it, it's not like there used to be a system that took care of that, right? You When you transferred phones, not all your contacts went with yeah. you. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't a guaranteed thing that you were going to get every new phone, who dis, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's not a thing <laughs> right. that you say anymore because it's so easy to just transfer your information from phone yep. to phone these days. Yep. So it, that used to have its own solution. I, I think to me, this is how this plays out, right? Is mm-hmm. there's a period of time where it is a good reminder to see that person's name show up in the contacts. And at a certain point, it becomes a thing where it is a unwanted reminder of human Mm -hmm. mortality when you start to come across it. And it doesn't have the same, it's not bringing you memories of that person anymore. You've made peace with the the fact that they've passed. You're you're comfortable with that. You know, you've accepted it. And at that point, it is just like, you know, poking yourself in the finger with, with the reminder of, like I said, like human mortality. And at that point, it is not serving a useful purpose for you anymore. Yeah. And, and is like, I've said my goodbyes. This is not, this is a problem. There's a, there's a philosopher I've heard talk about this, where it is, people have this problem a lot with the possessions of loved ones, right? You're married for a long time. Your spouse dies. You have all their clothes in your closet. How long do you keep them? Yeah. And, and really yeah. what it comes down to is you, you just have to make peace with the fact that 
that clothing isn't them. <laughs> it's just a thing yeah. that's taking up space in my closet. And right. <laughs> who they were to me is, is in my mind and in my heart. And whether or not they are, I, I keep their stuff forever. It doesn't mean that I care about them or don't care about them. It just is like, I, you, you are alive still and yeah. they are not. And that is yeah. the reality. And once you, you know, are comfortable accepting that and moving forward, I think yeah. it makes sense to get them out of the phone. Now, yeah. I think there's a different approach where you would delete them immediately the first time you see it, if that is um, what you need to do. But I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest approach. Right. Well, it's like my thought too, is like, at some point, there's a point that number goes out to someone else. Yes. Like I could have some random person's number in my phone. What if I butt dial them? You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's a risk there at a certain point. Um, But yeah, I, I I thought about that. I've actually, I have this list. There's probably like 20 different items on it of just different things that I want to bring up on the podcast at some point, like this would be an idea for a topic. I've had that one on there for a while. I was like, who would be a good person to ask that to? Yeah. And I, you were the recipient. I think that you nailed it though. I think that you had the best analysis and take on that is that at a certain person point, it becomes a different person's phone number. Yeah. Right. It, it's not yeah. even their phone number anymore. It's inaccurate right. information in your phone. Yeah. Right. And it, and it just makes sense to get rid of that inaccurate information. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it just becomes more of a, a risk or a why and like with with things like facebook and other stuff there's there's other ways to remember someone yes you know now both of these people are people that were you know very distant friends of mine sure whereas like it wasn't it wasn't like a grandmother or something like that where if it's somebody who's closer to you right you know like for example my wife was in a pretty bad car accident back in february if the worst happens there, I don't, I don't know if you ever take that out, you know? Sure. Sure. And I think that that is for any immediate family member, that's, that's the thought, but I think that you would find with enough time, there would be a, there would be a day. There would still be a point. Yeah. There would still be a point where it would make sense to be like, look, I'm still silly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm still here. And I gotta, like I was saying with the, you got to get rid of their clothes at some point. Yeah. Because otherwise you just see it all the time and it's a bummer. Yeah. Which as much shit as my wife has in the house, I should probably just set the house on fire and start over. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> all right. So what's your third topic? So I need, before I, before I dive in too far, I need to make sure that I'm not going to offend um if this is a, a thing that you are are into and i'm going to start with the the least the most specific and and go downward and you tell me where in this you're like no i think that's cool okay okay and maybe it's the first one and if it is i understand but i have a different opinion so we've got nfts cryptocurrency in the blockchain is does any of that are you like no you know what i think those are cool things I can say I don't know enough about blockchain to have a strong opinion. I've dabbled in crypto. I don't need more. Sure. Um, I've, I've gotten to the point where I feel like it's pretty much just a scam and anybody that was going to hit the big wave on it already missed it. And NFTs go back to our first discussion as a terrible invention. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> scam. 
it's all a scam. All of it's yes, a scam. 100%. All of it top to bottom, cryptocurrency, NFTs. Bitcoin yep. exists. The reason Bitcoin existed was for people to conduct contra- or uh, you know, conduct illegal sales that were untraceable on the internet for like drugs or like guns or other illegal materials so Uh that they could purchase them without using a credit card or going through the hassle of of giving cash face-to-face. That's why Bitcoin exists. That's why Bitcoin will always exist, but it is not like a reasonable, um, maybe it's a long-term investment. I I mean, it it has fluctuated a lot. I think that Bitcoin is here to stay. I think that putting your money in Bitcoin, it's not going to zero because it serves a useful function in society, Mm -hmm. which is for criminals to conduct business. So yeah. you want to be invested in the preferred uh, currency of people, uh, you know, selling illegal things online. You can do that. That is an investment. I mean, you make if if we're talking about the currency of criminals with cryptocurrency and the U.S. dollar, I'm not I'm not seeing a difference here. We're talking we're talking about criminals either way. Sure, sure. <laughs> the, the difference is there is normal people transact business with the yeah. US dollar. The Bitcoin yeah. transaction where people are actually paying for things in Bitcoin, I think if you scratch the surface, the vast majority of transactions where things are being paid for in Bitcoin are crimes. Yeah. That that's that. it. All the rest of the all the rest of the cryptocurrency scam, all a scam. Yeah. NFTs are the biggest scam of all the scams. It is every NFT that is purchased is a person saying, I bet I can find someone dumber than me that I can resell this to you for more money. That's what they exist for. Now, there's a limited subsection of that. I will say like NBA Top Shot is just for computer nerds who want to have basketball cards. Great. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Have it. That That's a fine thing to do. There are NFTs of sneakers going back to my first topic. That has become a source of litigation at the moment. <laughs> that, that shoe resale webs, websites are selling NFTs of sneakers. What's unique about those is it is actually tied to a physical pair of sneakers. You own the NFT, but the company is keeping the sneakers in a climate controlled place where at any point you could cash in your NFT and get those shoes. That's different than all the other NFTs that are just JPEGs where you have a receipt. There's something actually backing that up. There is a pair of shoes backing up that NFT. In my mind, I think of when the do- dollar was backed you know, by a physical thing rather than... Yes, you could go to the bank and convert your dollar into silver yeah. or gold. Um, yeah. Yeah, NFTs, biggest scam in the world. Cryptocurrency, huge, huge scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. It is a straight it up it is. Ponzi scheme. It is based on the assumption there's no value being generated, but it is based on the assumption that I will be able to find other schmucks who are dumber than me. I just need to find two schmucks who think that this cryptocurrency is worth something, and then I will get my money out of it. That's, That's the whole thing. There's a small, small number of people at the top who are making boatloads of cash yep, off of this. And, and I, I, when the wave, the craziness happened, I made some money on my Dogecoin investment just by going, look, the internet is a weird, powerful thing. And the internet is pulling its weight into Dogecoin where like weird internet stuff is crossing over and becoming mainstream stuff. I agree. As an internet person, I was on that wave. I felt like early enough to make some money on it. And I did not enough to retire, not that kind of, no, but, but enough that when I went, 
I think this is the high point. <laughs> and was I like, <laughs> did you get out at the high point? <clears throat> I got out slightly. I, I got out after the first downturn. So I think it okay. went to like, I think it went to like 70 or 80 cents. I want to say that yeah. I got out at like 65, 68 yeah. cents. I, I cashed out at 66. Yeah. Um, and I, I uh, bought and I bought in it at five cents. Like, yeah. And that's, so, that's where I was too. Yeah. Um, and Not it when was, it was 0.02 cents where like a dollar got you, you know, right. hundreds and hundreds of, of Dogecoins. I got in where I could put my, my 25 or 50 bucks in. And when I sold it at 66, that's a, a huge return on investment. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it was funny because I played, I played FIFA, their ultimate team mode, going back to another conversation. Mut, yeah. But I, I would never put any money into it. I just learned how to trade and I had fun with the trading and all that. And there's this one guy I watched who on YouTube would always say, sell in the hype, sell in the hype. Yes. So I had my doge and for the longest time, I was just kind of watching it. And then Elon was getting ready to make his big appearance on Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, this is it. This is the hype. And it kept going and going. I'm like, it's time to sell right now. And I told everybody I knew that was in it. I was like, sell in the hype. We got to sell in the hype. FIFA never lied to me, which yeah. is a lie in itself. But I'm like, I learned something from a video game. I actually made some money off of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is the way. And that's about as far as my market experience and cryptocurrency experience will go. Because I... When, when I when I started to, there were two things that happened. It was like based on the level of onlineness of the person who was talking to me about Dogecoin, where it was like, this person's not really online. They're probably pretty tied into like smart media though. And they're coming to me and telling me, hey, have you heard about Doge, Dogecoin? And then there was a point where it was people who are like absolutely not online who are like, what's going on with Dogecoin? What's, and I was like, Oh no, if it's gotten to you, it's time to get out. This is <laughs> the internet is going to revolt against this at this point. If you yes. are in on this, so I'm out. It, yep. That, that was our warning right there. That's it. I just need people to understand because there is a thing that is happening where people who are, what it is, is there are people who are smart and can say things in a way that sounds confusing. And you go, this person must be smarter than me because I don't completely <laughs> understand what they're saying. They're telling me this cryptocurrency is a sound investment. They understand how computers work and something about the blockchain. This is a sound investment. And I need, I need people to understand, stop listening to those people. That yes. is a classic way that a con works. It is a person telling you that they are smarter than the system. And they have a secret way that will make you yep. money for nothing. It is a it is a scam. Stop listening to those people. We've had a lot of people who've gotten really good at following people like that. And I'm just going to leave that comment there. <laughs> yeah. Let, let people infer what they would like. Um, yeah. And NFTs just have never made any sense to me. Well, they don't make sense. They that's. They shouldn't make sense to anyone. There are people yeah. who are, it's an emperor's new clothes situation, but there are people <laughs> pretending that it makes sense to them. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. The only people it makes sense to are the people that understand that they're in on the scam and they're profiting off of other people who don't understand that it's a scam. Yep. yep. Full, full stop. Yeah. And the sooner people understand that, the better off. Yes. They will be. We need to start openly mocking people who try to talk about this stuff and go you think you're smarter than me but you are not 
and because here's the deal you're you and i probably are not coming in contact with anybody who's like inventing their own cryptocurrency we are coming in contact with people who are getting third-hand information where they read half of an article online and now they think that they can assume that role of i'm the smarter person who understands this thing that you don't understand and we need to stop letting them do that and start openly mocking them for being a <coughs> of a ponzi scheme which is what they are i i agree I agree. Let's start the movement. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like that needs to be become a whole internet movement. Um I'll put that on the to-do list. It's it's getting there. I mean, the Twitter, the Twitter page for crypto bros taking L's has a lot of followers. I mean, the really the board apes, the board apes is really what has pushed it over the edge. I think that there is a, a majority of internet people are they really relish the opportunity to laugh at people who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a JPEG of a monkey. And <laughs> when those people get hacked, as they should, that is, it's just, this serves you right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. Sure. Um, I don't know where we're at time-wise. We're just short of two hours though, I think, which is a good place to be. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been good to catch up with you again. And uh, yeah, man, we we'll talk, talk about all the important things that we did. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I know the podcast is called nothing of value. I feel like you and I have both imparted, uh, you know, some significant value to people if they are <laughs> willing to receive it this time around. So I'm sorry to have uh, gone against the mantra of your show, <laughs> but, but I, I, I couldn't, couldn't help myself. That's that's all right. Um, hopefully, hopefully people will find something of value here, but uh, not not necessarily. I don't want to. I don't want to oversell myself. I'm not trying sure. to tell people no value. Tell people no value, and then when they get value, over or on under promise, over deliver. There that's you go. Where we're living the, exactly, exactly. That's what this is built on. There's not enough of that in the world. No, that's that's my key to success in life. Set expectations low, so when I do a mediocre job, people are pleasantly surprised. Exactly. Um, that's at least that's how I got my wife. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> sure. Well, it's been yeah. awesome, man. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. We'll do this again sometime. And you can stop recording.